I'm pleased to be joined today by Congresswoman Lori Trahan, who represents the third district of Massachusetts and Dr. Kenneth Thakarar, infectious disease and addiction medicine physician at Maine Medical Center to discuss the Bolstering Infectious Outbreaks Bio Preparedness Workforce Act, which is new bipartisan legislation recently introduced in Congress by Representative Trahan and Representative McKinley of West Virginia. The bill is expected to be introduced soon by a bipartisan team in the Senate as well. Next, I'd like to share with you some society updates uh, since the last Let's Talk ID aired. For nearly two years, IDSA and its members have been focused on leading the response to COVID, and it's clear that COVID-19 will be part of the fabric of our lives for the foreseeable future, but we know that we must continue to move forward on key initiatives that have been and continue to be so important to our profession and our members. Some of those initiatives, such as compensation and ID workforces, are issues that only IDSA will take the lead on. And over the past months, the IDSA leadership has spent a significant amount of time examining and realigning our strategic plan, which was developed prior to the pandemic, to account for the critical work we're doing in response to COVID and pandemic preparedness. At our board meeting in September, we finalized work streams and investments for the next 15 months to move us towards our five-year goals. During that process, we emphasized projects that have broad impact across our society priorities and have the potential for significant movement on multiple initiatives. At the conclusion of that meeting, the board approved a significant financial investment to rapidly advance our strategic initiatives, including advocating for the value of ID, improving compensation and fighting AMR. As part of this effort, we're committed to developing materials that document the full depth and breadth of the central and essential role ID professionals have played in responding to and leading us out of the pandemic. IDSA leaders are advising organizations from the CDC to the Health and Human Services Office of the Assistant Secretary of Preparedness and Response to the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy that are assessing our pandemic response to date and forging a new plan to ready us to address and limit future pandemic threats. These groups are well aware of the key role our members play in the process through our advocacy with them. And in the midst of a pandemic that has disproportionately affected people of color and underserved communities, IDSA continues to be resolute in our goal to ensure the principles of inclusion, diversity, access, and equity are woven into the fabric of everything we do. So welcome to both of you. Uh, Representative Trahan, on behalf of IDSA, our more than 12,000 members and the patients and communities we serve, thank you for sponsoring the Bio Preparedness Workforce Act, legislation that would help advance one of IDSA's strategic priorities, and thank you for leading the charge to pass this bill in Congress. Can you tell us how you became interested in healthcare workforce issues and what drove you to lead this legislation? Massachusetts has uh, long been uh, a national and global leader in healthcare innovation and advancement. And, you know, as the only Massachusetts member uh, of Congress on the House Energy and Commerce Health Subcommittee, you know, I'm grateful for the unique opportunity that I have to support this leadership in my district and certainly across the state. So in terms of the legislation, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic brought 
healthcare workforce issues to the forefront as it exposed gaps and weaknesses in our nation's preparedness for public health emergencies. You know, a common theme in my conversations with healthcare providers of all specialties uh, is that existing workforce shortages uh, were only made worse by the pandemic. So we've asked so much of our frontline workers who over the past 18 months have tirelessly delivered life-saving care. And that has included dealing with the grief of unprecedented rates of patient fatalities, uh, lack of proper personal uh, protective equipment, uh, and immense burnout, all of which have exacerbated these shortages, these workforce shortages. So dedicated and talented care providers have been pushed out of the workforce due to a lack of support and resources. And, and this, this issue is a, a focus of the Bipartisan uh, Pandemic Preparedness Caucus, which I founded and I currently co-chair. Uh, this caucus is aimed at bringing out the lessons of the last 19 months so that we're never caught flat-footed again in the face of a public health crisis. And that includes, you know, moving our supply chain home, investing in genomic research, our lab structure, uh, and our talented pipeline of healthcare professionals. So, so when we met earlier this year, IDSA and, and my team, to talk about the challenges facing the infectious diseases and biopreparedness workforce, we saw it as an opportunity to lead uh, by introducing bipartisan legislation that works to address these pressing issues and support our healthcare workers who have given us so much. And we really enjoyed meeting with their staff and uh, the enthusiasm they had for this issue, which is near and dear to us, as you, as you know. Can you tell us what the Biopreparedness Workforce Act would actually do? So the bill would create a new loan repayment program for healthcare professionals who spend uh, 50% of their time working in biopreparedness uh, in healthcare facilities anywhere in the country. Uh, this repayment program would also be accessible to healthcare professionals who provide infectious disease care in underserved areas or federal facilities. So the bill ensures that contracts awarded by the Secretary of Health and Human Services help to increase the number of underrepresented minority individuals serving as biopreparedness or infectious disease physicians. And this, this legislation is critical because we can't emphasize enough the value of a strong biopreparedness workforce that can mount a rapid, effective response. And we've seen what happens when we aren't as prepared as we could be for a public health crisis. And we have an obligation to make sure we're never caught unprepared again. So it's important that we have trained, experienced staff in healthcare facilities. That includes physicians, clinical pharmacists, physician assistants, advanced uh, practice registered nurses and lab professionals uh, to develop and update response and search capacity plans and protocols that execute readiness assessments, train healthcare facility personnel, uh, perform infection prevention and control, and so much more. Uh, you know, even further, data shows that average annual salaries for infectious disease physicians are below many other medical specialties contributing to these workforce shortages. So by investing in these frontline workers, the Biopreparedness Workforce Act will act as one mechanism uh, to make sure we're never blindsided by a serious public health crisis again. We completely agree with all of that. And I think one of the, the, the main things that's important about this bill is that it's so comprehensive. It's not just ID physicians, it's all the people that need to be involved. In, and it's a very comprehensive look at what the pandemic has shown us across the country 
particularly in rural and underserved areas, where the where the holes are and what we need to fill. Um, can you tell us how IDSA members and our colleagues can support efforts to pass this bill? First, I just want to say once again, thank you uh, for the work you've already done uh, to uplift and support this important legislation. You know, late last month, uh, the Biopreparedness Workforce Act was included in one of our House Energy and Commerce Health Subcommittee legislative hearings. That was an important uh, and impactful first step. Uh, a number of our many endorsers have raised their support for the bill with the Energy and Commerce Committee, including a letter of support submitted for the record at the hearing from groups uh, like yours. You know, this support is essential in making sure this legislation continues to be prioritized. You know, by sharing your firsthand boots on the ground experiences, you've helped us to understand just how important this issue is. So as we continue to move through the legislative process, I'll, I'll continue to serve as a strong advocate for our bill uh, and for our urgent health care issues it works to address. And I know you'll be standing alongside me, making sure that we're educating uh, all of our colleagues at the same time. So Dr. Thakar, as an ID physician in Maine, can you describe ID and biopreparedness workforce needs where you are? And are there enough ID specialists to meet the needs there? Sure, yeah, so the, the short answer is sadly, there's definitely not enough ID physicians or experts in our state of Maine or in the United States. The longer answer is, um, you know, 80% of counties in the United States, they don't have a single ID physician. And that's particularly true in rural areas. So in a rural state like Maine, you know, we're constantly getting calls from smaller rural hospitals through the state and even across state borders. And um, I think before the pandemic, we knew that there was a shortage, right? But the pandemic really just highlighted that there's a huge need for this uh, more robust workforce within ID. And this is true, you know, not just for physicians, but also for other personnel. Clinical microbiologists are important parts of our teams and infection preventionists. Um, I think there was a recent, some recent data showed that 25% of healthcare facilities had a vacant position for infection preventionists and over half of long-term care facilities reported um, that an infection preventionist has left uh, in the past uh, 24 months. And so that's really concerning, right? Considering the amount of work that infection preventionists do for us and um, for our health systems. Um, having been a former director of infection control for one of our ho smaller hospitals in Maine, I know that there was a, a gap you know, between our infection preventionist leaving and the next one coming. And it was really hard to, to piece together the work that was being done between surveillance and meeting with departments and dealing with outbreaks. It's a lot of work. And I think we definitely need to address that shortage as well. And same for clinical microbiology positions. I think um, recently data show that there is 10% of vacant positions in the United States and about 70% of that workforce is set to retire in the next five years. And so they're also very important parts of our teams. And I think that addressing this uh, shortage and building a robust network is really important and also I think will help prevent burnout in our field as well. One of the other things that this bill will actually help as well is there's a number of rural and non-rural areas, particularly in the South, and actually in some areas in Massachusetts where there's a big shortage of HIV medicine expertise. And this bill will help to get better penetration into those areas as well. And it's one, HIV is one of the priorities that have sort of fallen to the wayside with all the effort we've had to put into the COVID response. So this will also allow a comprehensive approach to that. Dr. Thakara, do you 
Do you um, have thoughts about why this multidisciplinary approach is so important? I think I do physicians. We do direct patient care. It involves a lot of complex infections, but also ID physicians take a lot of leadership roles, whether it's antibiotic stewardship positions or, you know, several of our ID docs are healthcare epidemiologists for their uh, medical centers in our state. And I know that's true throughout the nation. Um, so it's really important to be part of a multidisciplinary team. And um, also importantly, our lab personnel, I think we all know how important testing and testing supplies during COVID was, but like the people behind the supplies is, are also very important. And I know our division director has worked very closely with our lab director every week. And also infectious disease pharmacists are key partners for working with ID physicians. They often co-lead antibiotic stewardship programs, which we all know can optimize uh, patient outcomes and also help to reduce antibiotic uh, resistance. And so they're just so important to our teams. I can't speak highly enough of ID pharmacists. We love our ID pharmacists here in Maine. I think I have them on speed dial. So, um, you know, they're just such an important part of the team. And also, you know, we work with many other professionals, whether it's um, advanced practice care providers or um, dentists, et cetera. We, we work with a lot of teams. Myself, I work with a multidisciplinary endocarditis team, which works to treat complex infections like endocarditis, also with a team of other professionals in our HIV clinic. So multidisciplinary work is what we do in IV. One other thing that is not very well publicized is that many of us uh, in both urban and rural areas have taken leadership roles in spots where our public health departments don't have the capacity to cover, um, helping our school systems stay open, advising colleges about how they can handle and keep their staff and, and students safe. And that's over and above everything else. From your perspective, Dr. Thakar, why is loan repayment such an important tool to improve recruitment and retention for the ID and biopreparedness workforce? Financial challenges have always been a barrier for people entering the field of ID. There's always been a high level of interest in ID from medical students and residents, but you know, understandably, because of the level of medical debt they're in, they end up going into other more lucrative specialties. And even in 2020, with the Fauci effect, uh, where you know there was a high level of interest in ID from students and residents, even then, only 75% of our fellowship programs filled their positions. You know, compared to other subspecialties where they either filled or they nearly filled. So, loaner payment will really help make um, you know ID a more financially feasible field for people, and also I think incentivize um, people to work in geographic areas where they're needed, especially rural areas um, like our state here in Maine. Mm -hmm. And I think an important part of this legislation that I think both of you can speak to is that it would increase the number of individuals in ID and biopreparedness roles uh, from populations that are currently underrepresented in medicine. I know that IDSA is extremely focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I do know that uh, what we really need to do, particularly as evidenced in the response to even getting COVID vaccine into people is to have people that look like and are members of the communities they serve in order to get accurate information out there and, and improve our penetration of accurate medical information to the, those populations. I, I'd ask either, either of you or both to respond to what you think that is in terms of importance. Well, yeah, I mean, I totally, this is, you know, so important to have um, a diverse workforce. I think, you know, COVID really 
um, shed a light on the health inequities that we know have existed for many years. And, you know, people of color are, are disproportionately affected by COVID-19 and other infections like HIV. And so having this more diverse workforce is really important. Um, and also just getting more distribution throughout the country will really be important for promoting health equity. And, you know, again, COVID has really shed a light on, on this issue, especially when we're really trying to get people, you know, vaccinated and tested for COVID. I think just highlights the need for a more diverse workforce. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, like Dr. Thacker said, Americans of color face high barriers in access to healthcare. Uh, at the same time, Black, uh, Latino, Indigenous, and other communities of color are underrepresented in uh, medical professions. Uh, and throughout the pandemic, we've known that COVID-19 and other infectious diseases disproportionately impact underserved communities, uh, including our communities of color. Many Americans, uh, they just feel more comfortable seeking a provider who looks like them, uh, as you know, Dr. McQuillan said, and understands their culture and their specific health challenges. So a more diverse infectious disease uh, and biopreparedness workforce is critical uh, to delivering culturally competent healthcare and, ad and advancing health equity. Uh, what we're proud of is that the Biopreparedness Workforce Act works to make this a reality by authorizing HHS to award uh, loan repayment contracts in a way that increases the number of minority individuals in, in infectious disease and biopreparedness roles. You know, populations that are underrepresented in medicine tend to have higher student uh, debt burdens. So offering loan repayment will help to reduce the financial barriers uh, to pursuing careers in biopreparedness or ID. Uh, so in strengthening the pipeline to create a more equitable infectious disease and biopreparedness workforce is an essential step to reach our most vulnerable patients and advance health equity across the country. Dr. Thakara, you were instrumental in bringing the issue to the attention of Senator Collins from Maine which resulted in her becoming the lead Republican champion of this bill in the Senate. Can you tell us a little bit more about your advocacy? And why do you think it's so important for IDSA members to participate in that advocacy with Congress? Well, and also I just want to thank the IDSA staff members who really made it um, a joy and easy to do advocacy, I think, within our organization. Um, but I first became involved in, with IDSA advocacy as part of a work group uh, that was really uh, meant to help develop policy recommendations to prevent and treat infections related to injection drug use. As an infectious disease and addiction medicine physician, this was something that was really important to me. And I just learned so much from that work group, my colleagues and the IDSA staff. And after that, I did a day on the Hill at ID Week in DC a few years ago, which was super fun. I was paired with Lisa Cox and also Dr. Sandy Springer. And I just, I um, learned so much from both of them and really just enjoyed a meeting with the staffers and, and talking about the issues that we see in our everyday lives, you know, when we're working. Um, and so after that, actually, one of the staffers got to visit our HIV clinic, which is really exciting. She got to see our work and we told her all about the programs that we run and we just um, have developed a relationship since then. So it's just been a, a really nice experience. And most recently, IDSA uh, developed you know, an advocacy liaison program. So I'm one of the liaisons for our region. And so through that, uh, IDSA staff asked me to join a Zoom meeting with Senator Collins and her staff. They scheduled everything. They also gave me the notes that I needed, and I pretty much just had to show up and share my experiences. It was super easy. 
and the staffer was really engaged and um, was really just interested in, in learning about our experiences and um, spoke to the senator afterwards. And, and then she agreed to, to be one of the lead sponsors in Congress. So it was super exciting. And what I have learned from this experience is just that our voices do make a difference. And again, this meeting took just 30 minutes out of my day. It was after HIV clinic and before my next meeting. And even that little amount of time, I think, can, can truly make a difference. Um, so I, just, I would just encourage more IDSA members to, to contact their representatives and ask them to support the Biopreparedness Workforce Act. Again, it can just take a few minutes through um, email um, on the IDSA website or contact an IDSA staff member to, to schedule a, a short 30-minute meeting. Um, but I think no matter how bigger role we play, I think we can all definitely do something as IDSA members. So I'd like to thank both of you for spending time with us today to uh, talk about this Biopreparedness Act. And uh, if either of you has any last thoughts you'd like to, to give us, that'd be great. It's wonderful to hear stories like the one Dr. Thacker just said in terms of the ease of advocating for common sense legislation, uh, because you know, I think it right now we're living in a time where our politics is as divisive as it has ever been. And when folks who are on the ground with this unbelievable knowledge are able to sit with folks and walk them through, you know, just their, uh, their day to day uh, and showing where like the lessons learned are where, you know, we need to make improvements. Um, that's the best. That's the way we all participate in our democracy. And so but I also I'm super mindful of the fact that you're all busy. Right? You're all like stretched to the limit. And uh, so, look, IDSA making it as uh, easy as possible to do this. It's such important work. And I don't do it alone. Like I couldn't possibly get all my colleagues, Republican or Democrat, to understand the importance of this legislation. But with you all, I've got a fighting chance of getting you know, people to understand how critical it is and for us to move it in both the House and the Senate. So a big, huge thank you, but also feel really good about it because, you know, this is how our democracy is supposed to work. And at a time where we're, you know, doing everything we can to preserve it, it's great for folks to lean into it. Thank you. Thank you.